Have you ever felt like there's a bigger you that lives inside? Like you're more than one thing, but maybe you haven't given yourself permission to be your whole damn self. When we gather on Sexy Sunday, we're here to do that. I'm Bonnie, and I'm here for the taboo, the details of what makes you moan, and how we play with this experiment of life. Welcome back to the podcast, my loves. It has been a minute since I've shown up here with you for the podcast. And I'm really delighted that after this kind of space and break that I'm coming back with a new series that has kind of been in my heart for a minute. And when I have been doing, you know, more solo podcasts that this is really a dive in with guess. And this is a series that feels personal and feels important. So welcome to the series Love After Divorce. So this is an intimate short series that is going to explore how we keep growing and how divorce gives us a greater capacity to create love. And there's no rule book for divorce and no one way it has to look. So what can you expect in these conversations? <laughs> in these conversations, we'll be exploring themes of love with new people, love for past partners, and love for the many versions of ourselves. We're here for the real stories, the real shit. I mean, that's what this podcast is. You know, anything goes. We can say all the stories. <laughs> Please tell me about all the things. Um, and so today, welcome back on the podcast is my sister, my dear sister, Anna. So welcome to the podcast, my love. Hi, darling. Mm. Um, for those people who are joining us, they can, I'll put it in the show notes. Like we'll have all the, all the podcasts we have done so far together. What, like three? <laughs> I don't even know now. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I guess just, even if there's been alluding to divorce for both of us and, um, there's seven years difference between us and me older, you're younger, there are brothers in between. And the ways that our lives have had parallels and the ways we're able to connect over the things um, feels like such a gift. So I'm glad that we're here to speak really directly about divorce. So I think it's something that you and I, we've had a lot of conversations and um, kind of like our, our hope uh, for helping create more celebration in that and more honesty mm. in that. And... Mm -hmm normalizing it as a, as like a, a regular place that people might be. And that doesn't mean it's not sticky too. So yeah, all of those things. Yeah. No, I'm, I am really stoked to be a part of this series with you because this, like there's so, there's so many layers to this. And, and even as you're just saying this intro, Bonnie, I'm like, which direction are we going to go today? I don't know. This is going to be exciting because there's so much in this, right? Of like mm -hmm. love post-divorce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and because there's so much fear so often in divorce, mm. right? Oh yeah. Dude. There's so much Oof. fear and scarcity and, and hurt and 
like there's some heavy shit that we will hold in the untangling and discovering of who the hell we even are as we transition in and out relationships. And these conversations, mm -hmm. of course, can be really useful for people, even if they have not been married, but perhaps in a longer term relationship. So um, like kind of Absolutely. discovering what that is and people can have children together and not be <laughs> married and still find benefits. So, okay. Yeah. Thinking of divorce broadly is divorcing from something, maybe not legally. Sure. Even. Sure. Mm -hmm. Especially for folks who who might not be like an official legal sort of marriage. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So to begin, I'd like you to let me know how long you have been divorced for. Woohoohoo officially i why well, I, I considered my divorce based on when my ex-husband and i mutually decided that we were going to divorce um an uncouple which is march 17th is that date um so i'm coming up on two years mm. from that date in in just two months i'll be at two years um post-divorce but technically because of of how we um, managed our divorce. We didn't prioritize the paperwork. We knew that that was going to come. We knew that there was a lot of emotional lifting and, and literal moves that needed to happen for both of us. There was just so much technicality to the divorce that we didn't actually finalize paperwork until November of that same year. So legally, I've been divorced um, a year and almost two months. Yeah. 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 When I think it's fascinating, even in the timeline or the ways that we are like, okay, this is how long I've divorced or haven't been divorced. And mm -hmm. because different places have different requirements. Um, mm -hmm. I know I was talking to a, a friend who you have to live with a separate address for a year before you can file for divorce. That's fascinating. And so Where's that? Another state. Yeah. So like you're in Montana, <laughs> I'm in Oregon. Um, I guess for context, I, my ex moved out in October of 2019 and then we weren't mm -hmm. legally divorced until December of the year later. So 2020. So he had moved out yeah. over a year before we were actually legally divorced. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And once it was like, once papers were submitted though, it was done very quickly. But again, like with 2020, we also didn't prioritize it until actually it was tax season and we're like, well, how do we want to file taxes this year? Like, okay, I guess we'll like do, we'll finally like get it done. So that's truly where, because yeah. we're like, well, it's, it's going to happen. Um, so technically then we were married for, we, we were married for 16 years. Um, and how many yeah. years were you married? Well, then in that case, technically I was married 13 years. Mm -hmm. oh. Chunk of the Yeah. It's so fascinating to me to hear how people uh, proceed with the legal portion because I have friends who once they decide to divorce, they're like legally divorced within two months because they're like, nope, we just like want to, you know, rip that bandaid and be done and um, move forward. And I think what is cool to me, though, is uh, you said this in the, your intro too that there's so many ways. There's so many ways to divorce, so many ways to unravel. And um, like jumping in here as, as someone who got to, uh, have you as a resource in my divorce, it was so helpful to have that reminder from you that, that mm. Anna, there are so many ways to do this. And, and in that was permission to divorce in a way that, um, 
honored my relationship with my ex, Mm. the relationship we had had, the relationship we wanted to continue to have, and what we needed to in that moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm, that's really beautiful. It's, I think I love our connection too, because I'm so grateful I can show up in these ways where maybe I've already done it and I'm like, it's okay, just make it up. (laughs) (laughs) There's no rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and our stories are a little different than like, I have like three kids and you have no kids. So there's like a different and you don't have a house, you were renting an apartment. So I think these are like interesting sorts of things. Also, you know, like, we're not here for like, necessarily like the nitty gritty details of this, but it does play a difference. It, it does play as a factor of, of what has to be considered. Like you're in an apartment, you were renting, you had no kids, you had no pets. And so people with pets and like the way that some people share custody of pets and doing those things. So there's different sorts of ways that we interact with those those pieces too Mm -hmm. yeah Mm, okay so what's on your mind sister I want to know what's one thing that you have learned about yourself since getting divorced and that can be taken in a whole bunch of different directions but in specifically around partnership around love and this could be love for self others ex etc right like what's one thing that you've learned about yourself since getting divorced I'm not gonna overthink it and just say um, what's really like flooding my body right now is um, I have learned that my life is never going to be without love. Mm. And actually, I'm just going to play with that for a sec. Mm. That feels really, those words feel simple. Yeah. But the meaning to me is so profound. And even just saying that, I'm like, whew. And I knew, I knew, I was like, it's dangerous to wear my uh, maroon mascara to our podcast today because when I cry with my maroon mascara, it looks like I'm bleeding from my eyes. <laughs> so that's going to be a Like, this is risky business. But back to this, um, that makes me feel emotional because I, I remember one of my core fears. Um, in being in getting divorced was am I ever going to find love again um am I going to have love in my life is this am I ever going to be able to in a place of getting married again is um I I was in a situation where I my partner and I still had great love and respect for each other and that's why we chose to divorce the way we did um and because of that Uh, there was fear in the loss of that love and the changing of that love and the changing of our relationship. I was afraid. I was, and I remember just like being awake at night crying and and being afraid that I would never find love again. And, um, here I am on the other side of almost two years Mm. and, um, have absolutely learned that my life is so tremendously full of love. And that I have, and I, 
I think to that point of or going back to your question, it was a little bit more direct of like, what have I learned about me that I have continued capacity to love mm. um, as well? And and love looks so many ways. You know, I, I, th I remember this moment right after actually um, divorcing and uh, I was doing some deep processing one night and like just all of these waves hit me of thinking about the ways that love is in my life that at that moment didn't include romantic love or, or, or sexual partner love, but I felt completely flooded with all of these people who I knew loved me. And in that moment, I, I almost felt like I came up for a breath out of a really uh, heavy grief wave um, post-divorce, which even in like the most conscious uncoupling of divorces, like there is still grief there. It is still hard. There is still challenge, right? There, there are still all the, all of those pieces, even if you go in with the best of intentions. That's a natural part of the process. Like we're literally breaking an attachment and, and changing it. And if you are, a, if you like to nerd out about attachment theory, like I do, like it makes sense, right? Like it makes sense that all of those things are going to be a part of it. So, so in a moment of coming out of a deep wave of grief, I felt like I caught a breath of love where I was like, okay, hi, hi, here we are. Mm. I like, I know I have love in my life because of this person and this friend and this friend is showing me what love also looks like. And this sister and this, these family members and these parents, right? Like all of these people who are reminding me like, okay, mm. hi, Anna, we're right here. We are love. Yeah. We can love and we will have more love. And, um, and that was, that was an early moment, but certainly I've had other loves in my life romantic loves in my life over the last two years who um, have just further reminded me that, uh, that I, my life will always be full of love. And so that, that fear that was so tangible um, is no longer a fear for me. Mm. Yeah. And so real. I, and I think you're absolutely right. It's so honest to be in that space where you're like, can I ever, like, will I ever, is there anything else? And really the scarcity of like, everything feels like it's, it's small and like crushing and, and everything's very narrow in what you can see mm -hmm. in that moment. Well, and I think, and too, I, I'm feeling the need to add to my experience, just give people, um, a little history. My ex-husband was my first everything. I went into that relationship very Mormon and very abstinent. And so he was actually even my first boyfriend, my first kiss, my first lover, right? Like first everything. And so for when I was divorcing, that was a, a unique challenge for me was that it was also my first breakup. Mm. And so that scarcity piece to that scarcity piece, that was, um, that had a different texture for me because I had never had any other long-term relationships or had never really dated anyone before. And it was actually helpful for me to remind those who were on my care team about that piece because they were like, Oh, that's right. You've also never gone through a breakup and it's a breakup and a 13 year divorce breakup. So like that's, I think, a little uh, helpful little Absolute. piece of history. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard regardless, but to have it be your everything first 
uh, is big. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as your sister, I am privy to a lot of your stories. <laughs> so, you know, in this almost two years <laughs> that you've now been like, you know, separated and divorced. Rowdy. Oh, <laughs> and rowdy. No, no, that's where I'm getting to. That, that there has been um, perhaps some rowdiness in your language. <laughs> that that is your word. You're like things have gotten rowdy. <laughs> I do love that word. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely do. Um, and um, I, you know, I think in my stories that I've shared about, you know, it was very much during um, monogamy times with me at the end of my marriage that really was this breaking open of being like, okay, like having never slept with anybody else either in my marriage um, yeah. or before my marriage and then being married mm -hmm. and then uh, finding some sort of sexual discovery within that and at the end opening our marriage and then having sex with a lot of different people. I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. You're like, oh, hello, yeast infections. <laughs> Bacterial vaginosis, round five. Excellent. Oh my gosh. Um, so <laughs> it's so real. Like we just need to normalize yeast infections and BV and oh. like testing and um, like we have our whole episode on molluscum contagiosum. So like STIs in general, um, it like, it becomes like, you have to learn how to have the conversation. So like after divorce, you're like, how do I even date? And I remember you like feeling so worried about that. There is so many layers to like, how do I date? I feel like how do I date is also separate from, how do I hook up? How do I communicate? How do I care for my sexual health with different partners when that's new also? Like, yeah. oh my God, that learning has been immense. <laughs> um, before we jump into that though, I I want to throw the question back to you. Uh, about what? Of what, what you have learned about, one thing you've learned about yourself since your divorce. Hmm. Which is hard because I know there's so many things. Something I've learned about myself since divorce. You know, I think, I think I will take it in the direction of, of truly like about myself. I got real nerdy into human design about a year and a half ago and learning more just truly just about me, not about me in relationship or like even in reflect and, and there ends up being reflection on me in relationship. Um, but learning yeah. more about how I operate in the world has been something that has happened post divorce in kind of this where you're kind of, you know, I've been, not that I've been forced, but in a way we're forced to discover ourselves in new ways when we are all of a sudden not in that partnership and where maybe we were in it also because, you know, I was 20, you were 19 when we got married, right? So we were very young and then leaving that partnership and being like in our, you know, 30s and saying, okay, who, who am I now? Like, <laughs> and, and who is this self? How does this self operate? How do I build a bigger self-awareness um, of who I am? And doing some of that work and finding the tool sets of, you know, people like all different sorts of personality sort of things. So finding human design and some different ways. The one that I land on right now is, is learning how I may not communicate very well. And in human design, where my type as a human in the human design speak is a manifester. So 
manifesting a lot of ideas. I'm like, have all the ideas. I'm ready to activate people and be like, let's do the things. I'm stoked. Um, and where my brain and like my soul, I'm like ready to do the shit. And so part mm -hmm. of that can also be um, because of my desire to do the things. And uh, I like the strength finders. There's a strength finders um, kind of system as well. And so I think these two in play together have really most recently given me, given me some opportunity for reflection on how I relate in partnership and how mm -hmm. it's really helpful <laughs> for people who are manifestors. And it's just landed for me, right? Like, uh, so this could have been told to me in any other sort of context, but you know, it was told to me at the mm -hmm. right time where I was like, oh, actually yeah. it is really helpful for people who might be told that they're manifestor type, that their brain and they're like already going and having action happen, but they might not be communicating it very well. And so the invitation is to really communicate, not as a way of trying to ask for permission, mm -hmm. but as a way to inform and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this and this is what I have planned, or this feels really exciting to me, and literally just communicate, or I've decided to change my mind about this, and to bring people into my inner world so that it continues to help my relationships thrive where there's some like synergy and like easy flow um, where it doesn't just feel like it's out of left field because I've been processing some sort of experience or like desire or project <laughs> or whatever it is and I'm like oh hey today we're gonna build a whole new house and ready set go and then somebody's like what the hell you know it's not a literal thing but like I think that's something I've reflected on and learned about yeah. myself is that that would have been really helpful in my relationship in my past relationship and as I'm looking at my relationships now is how am I communicating what I'm thinking what I want what I'm building what I'm planning so that other people can actually meet me and it doesn't mm. feel disjointed and again, and like, I think the important piece too, is that it's not permission asking. This is like, I want to bring you into my world so that we can like stay on the same plane. Mm -hmm. I love thinking about that too, because, um, like thinking about reflecting, let me be more specific. I love thinking about reflecting on how we showed up in those relationships and how we could have maybe shown up differently, but doing that with grace mm -hmm. because we are not the same people we were when we left those relationships. And that's something I have to remind myself a lot because there are times where I might have a little like truth bomb um, or self-discovery moment where I'm like, oh, I think I might not be very good at that in relationship or maybe have some opportunity to grow in that area in a relationship. And like I'll have those things come to mind too. And like it can be sometimes easy to be really hard on ourselves and, and go back to those situations and be like, oh God, I wish I would have shown up this way or I wish I could I wish I could have shown up this way or this way or this way. And it's been actually a really important practice for me um, in that learning of self and self tools and, and all of these um, different little nuggets that have come post-divorce for me to go when I, when I touch back on memories of, the, of pieces of that relationship with my ex-husband or other relationships to do so with grace, because we are constantly yeah. learning and evolving. And that is part of this experience. Totally. Well, I think it, it's an important piece too, to think about 
the hurt and heal that we all cause. Yeah. Like every single one of us yeah. are going to hurt each other. It's just the nature of like how we're going to practice figuring out how to be human and how to like yeah. grow. Um, and then yeah. those same people that might hurt us or we might hurt, we're going to turn around and heal somebody. And just mm -hmm. again, because of the nature. So mm -hmm. I think offering ourselves grace in that is so important because we were different people and hopefully like we're continuing to build that, I don't know, self-awareness and I don't know. It, and it is hard because I think there is moments where all of us can reflect back and say, oh, you know what? I was kind of shitty in that moment. Like mm -hmm. that way that I showed up in that one circumstance, like I could have yeah. done that better. And there's ways that I can reflect and be like, oof, like that my ex has to like, he definitely has to process something around a particular thing or moment or way that I might've responded or not responded. Mm -hmm. Um, that is his to process as much as it's mine to process the other things. And that doesn't make us terrible people. No. It makes us real and it, yeah, growing. It's human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I go back to you too, and I've talked to a lot of therapists about this, this piece of, uh, of grace and reminding myself too, and reminding ourselves that like in that situation, we were truly doing the best that we could, right? We all have so much to do in relationship and I love that way of thinking about hurting and healing and and I recently we actually were just talking about that concept with someone else in a recent relationship and and you know I I think hopefully our intention is never to hurt people but it is sometimes in our learning we are very imperfect and yeah mm. We are out here. We get to, we get to learn with each other, and in the process, we get to love each other as we keep learning. Yeah, yeah. Well, another piece of yours and my shared story, like our stories that is shared, <laughs> is that uh, we both did grow up Mormon. We both got married young, but we both also have left the church and people who have left like a high demand religion. And that can look like a lot of different things, but both of us have also done that. So then getting divorced and not having the crutch slash input of religious belief and also facing that about ourself and as women and as sexual beings and as women who want things and the pussy wants things and, <laughs> we, and, and, and facing I think some of maybe perhaps our learned patterns and and perhaps thought processes and facing that too in our exploration of relationships is also I think an important piece as we kind of like you know jump into talking about uh you know our definition of love or how we've expanded that or who we've loved after divorce too mm -hmm. it's funny to think about did you have well actually before we jump into this can we give people a little context about when we left the church compared to when we were divorced? Because I think that's yeah, absolutely go for it. Yeah. yeah, I'll start. So I left the church woo, the beginning of 2017. Y'all, this is funny. I actually gave my like three months notice to the leadership because at the time I was the youth chorister and I didn't want to leave them like in the lurch without a, a courser and I love music and all the things. And so I gave them my notice the beginning of 2017. Um, but it had been years of unraveling for me to get to that point. And so, um, heavens, now we're at 
So seven years out. Woo, that's exciting. And I'm officially started my official resignation paperwork too. So yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole separate story. But um, yeah, so about seven years for me. So then seven years, uh, Exmo divorced almost two for context. Wait, so you were ex-Mormon two years before you were divorced? No, so I, oh, so oh, right now, yeah, no, no, good clarification. Oh. So right now I've been ex-Mormon for seven years, almost divorced for two right. years. So I, thank you for that. So I was ex-Mormon five years before I was divorced. Okay. Yeah. I didn't math right in my head. You're good. <laughs> this is for people who didn't math. You're good. I, I might have said it here. No, this is good. I'm glad someone else out there is thinking the same thing. Yeah. So and your ex also was like left the church at the same time as you? No. So I left and then he left about a year and a half after I did. Okay. So by the time we divorced, we had both left the church, but we left it uh, staggered. Yeah, which is its own sort yeah. of. That is its um, own sort of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's another episode. That now. is, that is, uh, yeah, that's, that's a different series where we talk about religion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, th- that exists here because that is part of relationship. And I think th- what I love about kind of these stories here in Sexy Sunday podcast is that this podcast is about relationship with yourself. It's about sex. It's about relationships. It's about how we're like showing up in connection. And so it gets to be all of these things and all of these things matter. And I'm like, I, I love that this can be a mixture of like, let's talk orgasm and let's talk like philosophy. And both of these things can exist yes. in the same well, conversation. I like thinking it's interesting to me to think about, especially with my, in my relationship with my ex-husband, about like the different periods of time that like we were Mormon together, we were ex-Mormon together. Like I even, you know, I even have in my mind when, when we introduced masturbation into our relationship, same into our marriage, same because that was even a different iteration of our marriage. Yeah. And, um, cause for those listening, like growing up, um, within the religion, we were taught that even ma- like masturbation, even within marriage was not acceptable and so to even uh it doesn't introduce that relationship yeah and I'm trying to think I'm like it doesn't I don't think it's ever uh, that I can't think of I don't feel like it's ever explicit that it's not it's just never said it's okay like there's never like it's okay if you're married to masturbate in front of a partner or with a partner or to watch each other masturbate like there's zero language I just feel like there's zero language around any of that there might be, there might've been zero for you. We definitely, I feel like it is one of those gray area things yeah. where like different people, depending on where you were at, what leaders you had, True. like different things were said to different people. Um, but so that's a good clarification because someone else might have yeah. heard something else. <laughs> um, who knows? <laughs> um, but for us, when my ex and I got married, we were, we were not masturbating. And so when we introduced that into our relationship, we had been married years, but that made such a difference in our relationship because then sex, um, the, the power dynamic of sex changed because then it, in, in many ways, I felt like I was then finally in control of my sexuality because mm. I wasn't dependent mm. on a partner to get me off. And that was the only way I could access my sexuality, which it is how it had been until that moment in time. So in this unraveling, um, out of the church, out of marriage, 
I've been tuning into my sensuality and, and discovering myself. Yeah. So it's it's th- and thinking about the timeline of things within that relationship and coming out of that relationship. Like it, that one, as you were talking about just timelines of things, like that date came to mind to me. I was like, that's interesting too. Like that was a different iteration then too. And then there was that yeah. and then there, you know. Totally. All the things. Well, and I think even in your conversation of saying, well, that I was finally in charge of my own sexuality, um, sexuality slash sensuality, like these are not words that we necessarily learn to hold within a religious Mm -hmm. upbringing and to think about like our sensual selves (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the enjoyment of anything of like how that's like talked about or like how that's enjoyed in the body. Like it could be biting into like the like warm bread, right? Like Mm -hmm. what is like the sound of warm bread? What is it? What is like when you like twist it a little bit or when it's coming out of the oven and the smell of it and then it's like kind of crunchy and the way that's in your mouth is like soft but also hard. I mean. (laughs) I am so here for sexy Sunday ASMR. What is Bonnie biting into today? (laughs) Which Bonnie did give me some ASMR the other night, which was amazing. That's true. That's true. She was making a soup. Okay. We went down to wide tangent, um, which. No, but I, I love this because I think you're talking about owning your sexuality and your sensuality and, and the way that religion plays a timeline, like plays into that timeline. And I think especially for folks who might be coming out of a high demand religion, getting divorced, maybe leaving that religion within marriage, um, but then, or maybe leaving it after marriage. And I think it's plays such an important, this is, this conversation is important because now you've left religion and you left your marriage and now you're like, what the hell do I do? And, yeah. and how do you figure that out? And now that you're like, okay, I can masturbate now. I'm like masturbation's cool. Great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have oral sex. Like I did not have my pussy eat for like eat. That was a weird way to say that. My pussy was not eight. <laughs> Probably for like the first 10 years of my marriage. And so like, and for it to be that, and then, and and some of that is like my own comfort, discomfort, or what is okay or not in that. And like, you know, there's a lot of things. And so then allowing that. And now it's like, no, this is a non-negotiable now. Now you like, if you're going to be with me, you're going to eat my pussy. So (laughs) the learning, oh my God, I like, it's fascinating to think about these iterations of our previous selves. And, and I think in this case, it is helpful to have the context of where we're at in life and what belief systems were we operating within. And, um, and that's what, I mean, jumping back to something we were talking about earlier, like as we sometimes maybe jump back and think to ourselves like, Oh God, I could have handled that differently. Like it's also helpful to remember, like we were totally in a very different place of life and mentality and, you know, in different ways. And I think, you know, all of it is back to grace of understanding, like we are evolving and, mm-hmm. uh, thank goddess we are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I think I would, I would like to have the conversation shift now to, you know, you have gotten divorced, you are learning about yourself in like so many mm-hmm. fucking different ways. Um, how has your love for your ex shifted? And I use the word love here you know, I, I'm calling this love after divorce and I still use the word love because I think love is more than one thing. It's not, it's not 
an all or nothing. It's not, it doesn't look like one thing for one person. I can love avocados and love my children and those are different loves. (laughs) So 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 this is an expansive version of love. Like what does that look like? And, and how has that shifted and, and, um, and how you view your ex-partner and think about him. I like just immediately I do like I have such tenderness y'all for my ex um and I feel very comfortable saying his name here Marcus is just he's just such a wonderful man and um he is still to this day a dear friend of mine and um god what was the question my brain is how how has your your love shifted has that love shifted It's a different thing to go from romantically loving a person and really breaking up and like learning and finding that you still love them and like that love has shifted and and how has it shifted i mean this is a hard thing to describe i don't know if anyone has asked me this question so now i'm like struggling to find the words because it's hard to describe such a nuanced love um and i'm definitely like feeling emotion in it too because it is um god i have waves of um you know Oh, I don't, Bonnie, I'm like kind of struggling. You're you're doing great. I think exactly (laughs) what you have just said, though, like the process of moving from a romantic and sexual relationship and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, we're setting down sex 100%. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And now we're not going to be romantic anymore. So where you move into some platonic friendship yeah it's and it's friendship but you sometimes you have to like there has to be some space though you know when you first you because uh, there has to be reordering and we're stuck in patterns and we're in this place so having and creating and honoring I think some space when we first separate is really important and then figuring out as you go and some people it's really not possible but I know that that's not your story yeah no, I remember, um, actually, we worked with an incredible uh, therapist for the last two years of our marriage who just helped helped us find, like, incredible communication tools that really helped us uncouple in, like, the most loving way. And um, to me, that was the investing in therapy was one of the greatest things that we did because it, I think, helped us sustain a healthier relationship to make space for friendship. Mm. And I remember one thing our therapist told us right when we had decided and and it was actually in a therapy session with her. Ooh, I don't share this a lot. Um, that I shared with him. I was like, I think it's time and he that we choose something else. And he was like, um, well, that's a conversation for another day. But he was like, yeah. Um, but it was in it was actually in a session with her and and I remember we all like were crying together and then um uh we were like, now what do we do with this? Like, okay, what? Like, now what? Okay, all right, now what? Like, what's? How does one actually technically divorce now? Um, but I remember in that conversation, you know, she shared with us 
I know that you guys want to retain a friendship. Like, that's very clear that you care really deeply for each other. But you might find that you have to have more space initially than you would like right now. But that's going to be for this the health and sake of the long-term friendship that you both are telling me that you desire having. And she told us that early on. And and it was hard, actually. That was really hard for me at first because he's a, still to this day a dear friend of mine. Um, and because you'd been each other's, like, all the things. Yeah, for so long. Yeah. And we really had grown up together. We left the church together, like, all of these things. Um, but what I will say is... Uh, we see each other on occasion for coffee and catch up and, and we have, uh, we text and we send each other funny memes that we, we, memes and reels we know we'll appreciate. And, um, I remember like the last time we grabbed coffee together, I left and I was just smiling and I was crying to myself and I was thinking, um, how precious our new friendship is to me. Mm. Um, and I feel like we're creating a new friendship that is built off of all of these other pieces and still it gets to be new Mm -hmm. like all of these different iterations where when we left the church oh that was a new iteration of our relationship and then oh we've divorced oh now this is a different iteration and now we get to do it again not again but we get to pursue a a relationship differently and a friendship differently and um uh that new evolving friendship to me, um, to answer your question in a different way too, that new friendship for me has helped me just um, love him even deeper as a friend to see really his tremendous care for me and in his desire to, to lean in and retain a friendship mm-hmm. and, um, and, and to continue being there for each other in the ways that we are able to be. Yeah even though it's very different. Yeah. And I really appreciate the candidacy of this conversation um, because I, I sometimes I realize how weird I am and how <laughs> the ways that I think about things or the ways that I like, oh yeah, relationships could totally exist this way. Then I, you know, I follow a lot of relationships, sex therapists, coaches, etc. And when they share something about people being friends with their exes or like their experience in these things, I am kind of appalled in some ways at the comments of people and the immense amount of feeling of fear and jealousy and um, that people want their partners to put between their exes and that person. Mm. And so in speaking to this, is that something that you've experienced that you've heard people like say to you, or how do you feel about that when like, that's not the norm to like be friends and people are like, Oh, does that mean you still want to be with him? You're really trying to get in there or that he's still trying to be with you. And like the honor, I guess that's what I really want to go to is like the honor and respect of where each other might be and where you can just meet yeah. and like be okay with that. So do you have any shares in that mm-hmm. kind of realm? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't, I don't really get questions like that. Actually, people, uh, um, I think I want to talk to the jealousy piece first and just say that, um, I really, I really respect his relationship and I love his current relationship for him. And I love that. I love that 
um, my ex has love in his life. Like, you know, and I think back to that, like scarcity and abundance, um, of my own journey of like, my life has been full of love post, um, marriage with him. Like I want, like, if I can't love him that way, like I want, like, Mm. for God's sakes, like I want, like, I want him to have love in his Mm. life. I want him to be held. And like, and I think like, that's the root of like our deep care for each other. Right. It's like, if it can't be me, it's okay because I care about this human enough that I want his life to be wonderful. I want him to be so happy. I want him to be thriving and that he right now is in a relationship that is offering that. Like I fucking love that. And I'm not having coffee with him to try to get my way in there. Right? No, it's like, I want to have coffee with him and be like, so are you guys moving in together? How are you feeling? Like, how's that feeling? Like, tell me about that because that scares the hell out of me. We're in different places. Right? Like, you know, so like we still have this, but like, we still have this friendship and ability to connect of these over these things because I think of the nature of our relationship. That's probably unique. Um, I am really grateful for the time that I had with him and it was hard to make a change. Um, but I knew with all of my being that that was like, we were both in the same place of knowing, um, are there fireworks happening behind me? I think me? that's your phone. It's okay. Keep going. <laughs> relationship evolved and you know I guess while you're speaking though what I really want to give like props to an unnamed lover that he has right now and just like their capacity too because it's more than like this is where I think it's beautiful it's it's more than just like you and me it's more than just us as individuals we really are community and it really only works to like continue to show up like this when we have, when we all can hold a level of honor, respect and trust, um, all together. Well, and I think trust and, and, and understanding that the nuance, the many nuances of a relationship, right. That you can decide to not be married to someone and still be their friend. There's nuance in that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's maybe not, the idea that we grew up with or that other people have grown up with, but that that is yeah. a possibility, right? Is it, you're right. It takes all, all parties. And I have actually, um, met his partner and, um, we had a love, the like loveliest meeting. And I was just delighted to, to meet her and, and to know this person who is, um, who matters so much to him. And so, um, I love that. I, Like, as far as any sort of, uh, I, I wanted to talk about the first piece of that, but to talk about the jealousy piece of that, like, I, um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't experience that. I mean, at first, I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you guys, at, at, at very first, when we first divorced, it was really hard. That, like, the actual enactment of, like, okay, we're divorcing, the housing market sucks, and we can't like there's not an apartment to move into so i guess like should we separate into rooms like the technicalities of this are like this is the hard shit when you are in the belly of that and you're like okay good night i guess from another room and you're like your whole system is having to learn like how do i live differently 
and then your partner is then you're you know and at that point we were like okay we're we are divorced like uh you know we have like go forth and do you know if that's dating if that's you know doing different things and and initially it was really hard for me when he started dating and i was very jealous um because that was so different and um and that was my own stuff that was my own work and like i just I, like i'm fine owning that um now though i'm i'm in a different place yeah 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 mm. Hmm. Yeah. Will you tell me about meeting somebody that you have loved since being divorced? Hmm. Well, I tell you something about meeting someone I have loved. Yeah, like <laughs> like pick somebody that you have loved. Like if you if somebody comes mm -hmm. to mind that you have loved post divorce, and will you tell me about meeting them? Mm. Yeah. Um, I met this guy. He was. Let's see, March, July of the year that I got divorced. So just a few months post divorce. I was living on my own. I just moved into this apartment that I'm in now. And um, I was out with friends and he was out with friends. He doesn't live in town. And um, we met that night and got to chatting and turned out that we both were ex-Mormon divorced. And before that we had made that connection, um, we had, you guys, this is me at a bar. <laughs> we were like, he's like, God, I love the way you move and like the way you dance on the floor and the way you breathe. And I was like, oh, I just like love connected breath. And we're like sitting at the bar, hands to each other's chest, breathing together. <laughs> And then we find out that we have these similarities. So it was like just, he was a delightful person though to meet right at that moment in time. And, and the reason why he came to mind, and it's really cool actually being in this, uh, podcasting with you from this space too, is that night I, I just moved in and I was like feeling kind of self-conscious about my place that like there were boxes everywhere and I felt so messy and in transition, you guys. And I just was like, oh, I this is just not sexy. I don't feel sexy. My place doesn't feel sexy. Um, but that night we were definitely vibing. And um, uh, also I appreciated so much that he was like, well, I would love to keep, you know, talking and like, I'd love to play, but I don't have any condoms on me. And I was like, okay, thank you for like being so on top of it. And I was like, well, okay, here's my thing. I had just moved in. I do have condoms at my house, which I love that you are like wanting to use one. And so can we like, I'm going to be very honest with you. Can we go grab a condom and then go to your Airbnb? And he's like, yeah, totally. I like, like, thank you for telling me right where you're at. And I think like, this is why he comes to mind is he like met me right where I was at. And that like, that kind of like, being met with love by a complete stranger was such a gift to me in that moment in time. And long story short, I mean, we, we came back to my place. We did not leave my place. Um, and the next day there were condoms all over the apartment and it was delightful. <laughs> uh, 
session y'all um we were laying in bed and in between like bouts of just like ugh, amazing pleasure um we were having like this beautiful connected conversation about really this like our both of our experiences leaving the church and divorcing and and i remember laying in bed and him telling me he's like and i'm so excited for you you're where i was at three years ago and like woman you're just like like you've got this you are like the world is your oyster and i mm, he was such a gift he was such a gift um and it was like one magical night and then he was on his way out of town but it was like experiences like that and like what that was insane that was amazing and it was it was it was so many things yeah. he met me in many ways um and and, and showed love to me and loved me in so many ways, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes we, I, I know, so I'm going to speak for myself. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Am I like, I'm like, I get hesitant to throw out the world word love. Yeah. Um, or he showed me love or he loved me. Like um, that can feel a little bit weighty, but I've been practicing lately having more ease around the word love mm. and letting it be the one thing as you're saying, as you were saying. And so like he really did show me love and he really loved me beautifully in the way that I needed to be loved that night. Yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I really do enjoy that you used him as an example uh, because I don't know that people think of like a one night stand as a version of love and mm. thinking about you know and 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 saying like it was a one night stand like that's so that that package that but one. it packages it so small it's it it, it know, gets rid of I don't like that right well and yeah. I think it's important to like say it here to say like we use that phrase and it's usually thought of in one way very much like we're saying divorce yeah. means one thing but a one night stand that was so full of love that where you felt really seen where it felt really connected and where you are talking about it you know, close to two years later and saying this moment felt really important for me and the way that this person showed up. And so I, I love the expansive way that you are even talking about this one night with one person and declaring it as love. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like so many things, we can think of love more broadly mm -hmm. than we do. Right. Yeah. I've been thinking about that recently with all the, with, um, other loves in my life who, who might not say I love you a lot, but show it a lot. Right. Too. It's, it, God, it's, and the ways that even we say to our friends, like, mm -hmm. I truly love you. Right. It's just like, love is in so many ways. It's in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting yeah, when it shows up and feels hard to say, but you feel it. And then other times when it feels really easy or why it feels hard or easy. Like, I don't know. That's weird too. I think it felt, Oh, I kind of want to jump in on that, but I don't want to take a step. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're here for it. 
that is you're right it's it, it is interesting i think there's like a weediness to like but is that my own mm-hmm. old systems of what love has to mean or is like that i think that's probably my own stuff right of like well if i say love then that's like really serious and is that then like actually my own issue my own hesitations or things around you know is that yeah. tied in commitment or um I don't know or uh, who knows yeah I'm still I'm still navigating that no but here. like same I because I I know there's there's some people in my life that I can think of I, I will say like oh I I love you like I love you and I can say it fast I can say it you know um there's somebody in my life who I slept with once who's very much still a part of my life and who I really love and who we tell each other that we love each other and we like communicate, we do things together. Um, and like that feels really easy to do and there's not any sort of line or path going towards us being together in any more sexual sort of way. And yeah, and where like there's like, it kind of feels like there's that peace in it where like you have to be sexual for it to be love. But that's not, not true. We know that's not true. No. But like, but, but I think there's, yeah. it does change it when we, in this like kind of idea of like love after divorce, like how do we define love? And where love is like, I yeah. love this person, so I'm going to marry them. So now that we're like, wait a second, like if divorce is bigger, if divorce can mean these different things, love can mean these different things. So how do we like, love this person and how do we love this person and yeah and can we love them all simultaneously yes Mm -hmm. that has been something that's blown my mind as you were talking something that came to mind for me too is like the I think the word that I wanted to say is the intention like the intent like what is my intention in telling you that I love you that there is love here right that there is I think the intention behind it is interesting um as well like just as part of this conversation but I, it's blown my mind how much love I can feel at the same time simultaneously for different people. And it's like different types. And it can be romantic. Like it's romantic for multiple people at the same time, you know? And that too has like really, truly, I think it's just like our capacity to love Mm -hmm. as humans is what continues to, um, amaze me and there's one thing I want to share and then I want to know more about uh, you're just coming off of speaking of love you're just coming off of love camp this last week um weekend and so there's I have questions for you but something that I keeps coming to mind so I feel like I need to share is uh something that our grandpa shared with me the other night and this is our sweet hundred year old grandpa who has Alzheimer's um who's really in his final days and is just in his own way, showing what love is and can be with his partner and with everyone around him. And he has, you guys, this like gentleness to him Mm. where he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who anyone in the room is or what our relationship to him has been or, or was or is. And, um, he looked at me though the other night and he said to me, he's like, I'm in love with you because you're you and I love you. Mm. And that has been playing around in my head for days. I'm in love with you because you're you and I love you. Mm. And the simplicity of that 
is so beautiful to me. Yeah. Like, can we let it just be that easy? As opposed to being afraid of what it means to be in love and what does that expectation or what is that like? Can we yeah. just let love be easier? Mm -hmm. And not have it have to mean something. Yeah. Right? Like, your grandpa's not trying to get into your pants. I mean, he is a flirty old man. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, <laughs> but that's that's not what he's trying to do. No. And no, and he's just there with me feeling such love, mm. like, like the truest form of love of just like this person is here with me and singing. And I love this and I love who they are. So of course I'm, yeah. you know, like, it's just so present. It's like it's so yes. present and he's only present for like, you know, it's like four seconds unless he's singing, then he can sing a song that's longer. But yeah. I think that's an interesting kind of place in that too, of like exploring love in regards to presence and how we're mm -hmm. able to show up. And maybe, I mean, I think we have to go back to like religion and perhaps the things that were modeled for us as children of you can't be with anybody else or who you're with and how long you're with them uh, because there could be a fear or danger that maybe you love somebody else and not, not your partner. Mm. And that being it's almost where love is weaponized, mm -hmm, weaponized and um, cut off and um, yeah. fear based and all those things. So I think to have this expansion for both you and I of post divorce and church to say, actually, love gets to be big. Like, yeah. and I love that you're bringing up too that there can be a desire for romantic and emotional and sexual relationships with more than one person all at the same time. And that that's actually really normal. That doesn't mean that that's what everybody does or that everybody moves in those directions, but having those feelings even is very normal, even if there's not action. And if there is action, so long as there's communication, yes. <laughs> well, and I think too, there's, there back to that idea of like there's there's more love to be had and in, in the expansion of that if we are living within this construct that i can only love one person one way then of course it's a terrifying idea that i'm going to divorce and like of course i was terrified before i you know before i've gotten to this headspace right of like well there's no more love to be had i'm like going to be without yeah. or like oh well I still have love for my previous partner. Maybe that's like, maybe someone's feeling that way. So like, well, if I still feel that, then I probably shouldn't date. No, there, absolutely you can have more love in your life, even if the love for your previous partner is still is there or is changing, right? It's like, the, love doesn't preclude us from having more love. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is... I think with my experience of loving more than one person as an adult human, <laughs> not just as a, um, as a kid, you love your parents, right? Like even think of that. You're like, you love your mom and your dad. I mean, not everybody, but like if you have, you like love your parents or your grandparents or your siblings, like there's a lot of different people. Right. But then as an adult, you're like, I can love my kids. I can love my family members. I can love my one spouse. Like this is, you know, what we can love. And so just that experience there. But I think even, when I was pregnant with my second kid and I've shared this story at other times, but yeah, I was really nervous because I loved my first kid so much. And I was worried. I was worried. I thought like if I have like a circle and I'm like, if I, this is my love that I have, 
Now I have to cut it in half. And that's really the visual in my head of when I was about to give birth to my second kiddo that I was like, I'm only going to be able to get half love to my first and then the other half to my second. And I was feeling a loss of my connection and my love with my first kiddo. And then I had my second kid and I was like, oh, and actually like I had this circle of love and it wasn't divided. We just grew the circle and now my love got bigger and that's what happened. Mm. That analogy is so perfect, Bonnie. Like I, that's so perfect. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't know it until like, until it happened. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Like I'm sad. I'm crying. (laughs) And then you're like, oh wait, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like we just like, like, (laughs) I feel like I'm the Grinch, right? Like my heart just grew. (laughs) (laughs) I love, no, I think that analogy is so essential though. You know, I'm over here thinking about early days um, of Anna in relationship, though. And in at times, like, you know, this thinking about, am I going to lose love? Am I going to have to divide love? I think also, though, under, understanding what love feels like for each of us is different, too. And I'm, what is coming to mind, and I'm like taking us in a little in this direction, Bonnie, um, but I remember wondering to myself, like, what does love in for Anna feel like? Mm. How do I know when I am feeling loved? Mm. How do mm. I know when I am moving from a place of love? And even, and taking that to the example of this guy that I spent one night with. He didn't tell me he loved me, but how did, how he showed up, show me love mm-hmm. to the point that I'm sharing that is like, this person showed me love. I mean, he also loved on my body real hard, <laughs> my pussy real hard. And he really loved for my being. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that piece of all of this too, of like, in your understanding of like, oh, I can feel the love growing. I can, I don't have to split parts of me. Like that feeling of love in self, in our bodies is also a fascinating piece of this conversation to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense that it's fascinating to you too, knowing you as like a somatic person, as a feeling person. I mean, this is your, this is your meeting with this person. <laughs> yeah. You're like hand to heart, like at the bar, <laughs> right? You're like, how does it feel in your body? <laughs> But I, I, we're not, that's like, I don't know. You know, sometimes it gets a bad rap. There's like so much the phrase of like, well, we weren't taught this as kids or this wasn't taught in school. And you know what? I'm actually kind of tired of it. I'm going to be like super honest because I'm like, well, of course it's not taught in school. I have a kid who is about to leave for college. He's in his senior year of high school. There are so many things that I'm like, he doesn't know how to do this yet. He doesn't know how to do that yet. How does he navigate that? And I'm like, he literally doesn't have enough experience to hold it. He doesn't have enough capacity. There is like some things kids get and experience sometimes forces kids to learn some things. Sometimes it's really shitty experience. Um, But they still like as kids, we don't, we can't learn all of the things. And even if we were taught things and we were certainly taught things as kids that we couldn't absorb because of our age, because of our ability to pay attention, because of our interest, 
And so I think this story of like, we weren't taught all the things and it's a disservice. Maybe that's true. And maybe it's also that we are in the right place now to like learn the things and maybe it's okay. Dude, I literally had a conversation yesterday with my somatic therapist where I expressed to her feelings of like, am I behind? Mm. And at times feeling like I'm behind in learning the things or learning the things of self or experiencing the things because of my lived experience being different than, than other peers. And it was such a good conversation with her. And you saying that just brought that to mind to me of like, we're learning them at our timing. Yeah. And there's, there's no one set there. Like we said earlier today, there's no, there's no rule book for this shit. So we learn it when we learn it in yeah. the ways that we do. And we like get to honor that right. and we get to love. Right. There. And so to bring it to somatics, somatics, if that word is nude for people is just like the inner feelings. Like, can you feel the way that it's moving inside of you? Can you pay attention? Like when, if you close your eyes and you're like, when you feel heartbroken, what part of you feels like it hurts? Like physically, like it's the center of your chest. You literally feel like the center of your chest is breaking. So like the organ is, yeah. Like or is it actual physical pain? Yeah. When you're feeling this, oh, interesting. My, my left hip mm -hmm. is talking when I'm feeling this, right? It's that body. It's bringing the body into the conversation, mm -hmm. the awareness of the body. Mm -hmm what's happening. Right. Like when you feel nervous, it's pain. It's like how you're breathing. Are you breathing really fast? That's going to change the way your nervous system works. This is why movement and body stuff is so fasting. Because if you breathe really fast, you're breathing at the top side, like the top part of your lungs. That's your sympathetic nervous system that turns on flight or flight. So if you slow down your breath, you can find a little bit of ease. And so if you start to pay attention to those things, like, oh, what is my body telling me that maybe I'm saying like, oh, I'm totally comfortable, but you're, <laughs> you're like, wait, maybe yeah. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> but, but where is that discomfort? Is it that you're excited? Is it that you're nervous? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, then mm -hmm. this is where somatic gets in is then it's like understanding how each one has like a little, yeah. that experience is a different texture. Yeah. Yeah. When I think as a parent, but, like, I just want to bring this back, like as a parent and as like yeah. our learning and like our learning stages for this. So these are some things that maybe I know that I can bring to my kids and be like, well, how does your body feel right now? And, and give like a prompt like that. And could that be helpful for, could that have been helpful for us as kids? Sure. Oh. And... And we're here now too. So like, yep. it was, we're not too late. We're not too late. No, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I needed to remind myself and re I needed to receive support and, and being reminded of that this week. That I'm right. Where I am is, is, is awesome mm. and it's okay. Mm. Not behind. Mm. It's interesting, guys, sometimes to be 33 and having some of these new experiences for the first time when others might have had them much younger in life. Yeah. Well, it's a whole mm -hmm. refiguring out. I think there's some ways it's that it feels like you're like, okay, well, I'm like in my 20s, in early 20s, but in my 30s, because I haven't figured this shit out yet. But I, I still, I really do still stand by that I love doing it at this stage. I love being here oh, now and not doing yeah. it then and having yeah. had, I love 
having the quote unquote baggage. I love having the history. I love that like, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm bringing with me. Like, <laughs> I, I love that actually. <laughs> you know what? Also, I, I do too because I'm also bringing the Anna that's in front of you. And this Anna has worked fucking hard to like own her mm-hmm. shit and to grow into this woman with these tools, with this awareness, with this body confidence, with this, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we are, it's this and it, like this, like I, I'm going to challenge the word baggage. Like that's some sexy as life learning baggage, not some shit baggage. I mean, <laughs> have you seen my baggage? It's sparkly. <laughs> No, I'm just thinking of like, I was just flying recently. And when you like, you like have a bag and you like, you know, put some ribbons on it. You're like, how am I going to tell my bag Uh from the other bags? And I mean, well, my bag was this Patagonia black bag, but you know, just in general, like you're, you're trying to like not pick up somebody else's bag. So (laughs) this is a weird thing. I got very literal over here. I want you to have sparkly luggage. Also, I want luggage. (laughs) fantastic i love this uh, but no yes okay thank you thank you i'm caught up yeah our baggage is sparkly as fuck yeah and if you don't have any then i'm not interested in you that's what it goes to you know this is actually or you d- if you don't think, think you about- have any i'm not interested in you because you do right well because what it- what are we referring to as like what would we like to put under this baggage label life experience exactly with yeah like I feel you Bonnie I and I've had like thinking of um taking this learning into dating other people I've had um beautiful humans approach me almost feeling apologetically of like I'm divorced and I have kids and I'm like awesome like you've lived you are of an age where if you had like if like you've lived we're out here dating in this world post-divorce with people who have also yeah. had life experience. And I think there's a perception of like, well, I'm trying to find someone who's never been married, doesn't have kids, who doesn't come with baggage. And I, like for some people they have, everyone has different needs and is looking for different things. And if that's not your person, that's okay. But I think we need to be cautious about terminology because that doesn't mean that someone is less than or not going to be a wonderful partner or that they're coming with, you know, like, good God, we're all messy. Kids are no. Like some situations might feel like, sure, like they come with some more logistics. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. But like I, you know, I just, I think back to some of these conversations with people where I've literally said to them, like, you have lived and that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. How you're navigating your previous life choices in a new relationship, that is that matters, right? And that's going to sh- yeah. say a lot about a person, but like come with life cuz I'm coming with mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it this also makes me think about how when you're in a long-term relationship, you fall into patterns of caretaking, um, patterns of caretaking Mm -hmm. for somebody else or expectations of how somebody shows up or how they don't show up. And there's something that feels very refreshing post-divorce and post a long-term relationship to step outside that and be like, actually my job is to zero fix 
to zero, try mm-hmm. to show up any of these ways where I recognize where maybe I fell into those patterns of like, oh, this person does it this way and this way. So like, this is how I'm going to do it. You preempt it. You like, don't ask questions. We like, we do this in long-term relationships. All of us do. And so to break that all of a sudden and to feel free of that and to meet somebody else and be like, yeah, I just got to let you be you. And how do I meet you? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like make you change at change. all. No. And it, it's like no, so refreshing. Just, I love thinking about that. And I, this is where I can feel myself growing post-divorce and trying new ways of being in relationship is letting myself self show up differently with people and, um, and just loving them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In different, in ways differently that this, rather in ways that this Anna can differently than I mm-hmm. could in my relationship that started when I was 19. Right. Like what I know now mm-hmm. taking that new relationships and, you're right. Like we just, we get to love each other right where we're at. And that's what I want. Mm -hmm. I mean, do I want to be with a partner or lovers who, who want me to be my best self and who want to like be, yeah, of course. Right. Like I, I'm someone who's always wanting to um, continue to grow and evolve and leave space for that and leave space for other people. Does that mean we're not going to change? No, but we just, really the ask is to get to love each other right as we mm. are right now. Yeah. And, to, and put no time stamps on it. Yeah. Cause we've already had time stamps mm-hmm. too. Like that changes things. Mm-hmm. But that's where, so then thinking about maybe let's call it, we will use the terminology one night stands. That's a moment in time mm-hmm. where we get to love a person right there. Sexually love them, love being with their, per, their person as they are not knowing what, other length of time we're going to what other time we're going to have with them we get to just like pop in and love Mm -hmm. them right then yeah yeah and I think there's some people I know I've heard of saying like oh that was like a bad part of my life like I was a lot of one night stands love and very much depends on like how you're showing up in that it does yeah it's definitely not a bad thing (laughs) but it can be disruptive like you could be using it in a destructive way too like so yes and yeah yeah yes thank you for that yes and I certainly I'm going to add, I feel like I need to add a little disclaimer. Not all of my one night experiences look like the one I shared. There have been others that have just been wet and uh, I do like the time when you almost broke somebody's like, like broke somebody's head. Like that one was like. (laughs) Oh my God. That was the best shower sex of my life. (laughs) You did almost break him. Oh my God. Yeah, I did. And that, will you tell the Will you tell the story of how you almost broke I, him? Holy gods, I would love to. How I can you say can all say the things here, all yes? of the things. People will prefer you to say all of the things. Most excellent. Some I've had I've received feedback recently from some people who are like, you know, sometimes it makes me a little uncomfortable. How how uh, uh, descriptive you well, are. Well, you're so. in the right podcast. <laughs> excellent. Okay. So I was on a ladies weekend um, in another town in Montana and uh, met this delightful 21 year old, my youngest lay of my The youngest lay. <laughs> That's the grossest terminology. I feel like a granny. My youngest lay. Okay, here we So anywho then. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and he was, he was, he was a character. He, um, 
we ended up, he picked me up in a bar and I was like, this is going to be in a rowdy time. He's a character and he was like, um, just like buff, shorter. I tend to find a lot of shorter lovers shorter than me, which is interesting to me. I don't mind it, but, um, like this buff dude. Anyways, we started making out in his truck and in the process, I like, lost one of my friend's uh, nipple covers and never did I find that nipple cover again. So he like got a nipple cover souvenir in his truck the next day. So we get in his truck, we're making out, lose a nipple cover, things are just getting like really wet and um, we're re- just like really fucking turned on. And so we go to his place and he's like, do you want to take a shower? And I was like, well, that sounds lovely because we'd been out dancing hard that night. And um, y'all, I didn't know this was possible, but we get in his, in his shower and he lifts me up on his shoulders. So on my back is facing, um, so this is a shower. I should just say it. Like, I think of it as like a, sh- a standard shower with like the tub. Oh, okay. So in a tub um, with like the close, like the curtain? With okay, a curtain. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're in that type Wait, of Wait, is shower. he, is he so like pussy to face? Is that... Okay. Yes. So pussy to face. Wait, so how did you, how did you, on... did he have you like climb up on the edge of the tub or on the toilet or something? No, this dude was like tank. He was like this sturdy tank and he, he just like... like lifted me up on, on his shoulders. And so I'm like facing him pussy in his face. My shoulder. Is he my eating you at this shoulders. moment? Yes. He's eating me. I, my back is to the like back of the wall. Okay, so okay. my hands are like straddled. So like this hand is by like the shower head. This is on the other wall. I'm straddled, like I'm holding myself wall to wall. Legs are over his shoulders and he's eating me out. It was delightful. Um, If that's an option, 10 out of 10 recommend that for you and your lovers. Um, Because otherwise it's like so hard to eat a puss in the shower. I mean, it's, I mean, it is and it isn't. You you can get creative, but um, any who's then. So he's eating me out and I literally was like, God, I'm like amazed he hasn't slipped. And then he slipped and he like took the shower curtain with him. So he like, keep in mind, he's slipping like out, like over the edge of the tub. And my, I don't know how this happened. My like cat, like reflexes, let's (laughs) chalk that up to dancing. But I like drop off of his shoulders and I like catch myself. Meanwhile, he proceeds to fall back out of the shower, taking the shower curtain and the rod off the wall with him. The, like, tension rod, like, pops off the wall. He falls. Thank God he misses the vanity by, like, three inches and hits his head. So he's been splayed on the back, on his back, over the edge of the tub. And I, like, go up to him and I'm, like, yelling his name. And that fucker pretended to be passed out, um, which to this day I still am annoyed at him because it scared the hell out of me. I'm, like, that was not cool. Um, Because I was, like, oh, my God, I'm going to need to call an ambulance and I'm naked. And, like, he's naked. Like They'll be, like, what happened? And you'll have to be, like, well. I'm a little drunk at this moment. I'm, like, there's so much going on. I don't know where I'm at in this town. And this dude has just died from the shower sex. Um, So... Long story short, he did not die. Um, we resumed play. He ate me out a while longer, and then he drove me home. It was, or to my hotel. It was a, it was an adventure. <laughs> so maybe not one that you chalk up with like walking away feeling super loved in a certain way. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, that was one. I was like, that was weird, and, and 
good. It was good. I mean, best shower sex minus the falling. I think best shower position. Let's not, yeah. Best, uh, most creative. That one's the most creative shower sex award. But overall, it was definitely one where, like, and what I loved about that night is, again, it was a ladies' trip, and one of our friends, um, uh, was in a monogamous marriage, um, but her husband was deployed, and so she like all of uh, the rest of us had paired off, and she but she went back to the hotel, and then throughout the night, all of us came back from our adventures, and she we all would wake up and we'd be like, "Tell us about your adventures. What what happened?" <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. These, these are like the Marco Polos that Bonnie gets on the regular. Like, Bonnie, guess what? I know. It makes me <laughs> delighted. Um, let's end on. Let's. I want to give you an opportunity oh, yeah. to tell one more story. Um, I want to end on one more story and let's loop it back to love and love after divorce. Of, will you tell me about? Because I know that you have many ways that you show up in love and how you have decided that like if you were to rename yourself that you would want to be Anna Love and in the same vein of uh, like this immense well within you and I and in our conversations you know there was somebody that I was dating in 2020 and um, there's this one particular moment when I I would say it often to myself and I don't know when I started saying it to myself but I started saying to myself that I am love and I would say that for a long time. And, and there's one time I remember in specific where I was driving to his house and there was like, had been a conversation between him and I, and I was just feeling different feelings about our relationship and if I wanted or not, et cetera. And, um, I was reminding myself that I am love and I was and that drive in particular. I really remember me saying that, but I had to say it a lot before that. And I think like coming to this place and, and perhaps there is a similarity in our, um, in our lives in the parallel sort of lives at different times, but ages and parallelity to the parallelity. I don't know if that's a word. It's fine. Um, of like how we've moved and just this feeling of like, I, I am love. I'm going to show up and I'm going to love a lot of people and people are going to love me. And it is this big well, and it is a spiraling outwards of growth and, um, how you and I were like, well, we could just rename our, we could, you know, we both have our married last names and next year I will have, or sorry, it's 2024 now. So this year I will have been, had my married name longer than my, than my given name when I was born. And so thinking like that's so interesting. And if we were to rename or, d- or declare a different last name and you and I have joked around and be like, we'll just, you and I will just pick a last name and we'll be the love sisters. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I like that as a piece of this and this conversation in particular and how names and divorce and love all kind of get mixed together um, and are part of this. So, hmm. Is there anything you want to share specific on that before I have a last story? Um, well, I didn't know if you were wanting 
me to share a story about that. If you have, if you or have a story you, that you want to share oh. about name and the name love or anything, then. Well, I've, that's I was not expecting you to go that direction, but yeah, that's something that I've thought about. Is if there was a name that I would rename to that came to me last was it last yeah. year that I told you yeah. about? Yeah, that's like Anna Love yeah. is the only. And um, my last name is currently Strange. And so I've had people be like, well, you could be Strange Love. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that, you know, you're right. There are many things I could be. <laughs> um, but no, I think um, the reason why that is that idea or nickname has come to mind, and, and maybe it will be a legal name one day, who knows, um, is truly, yeah, that the idea that love looks so many ways. And really, I feel. I feel in my bones that I, I'm here to love in all of its forms. And I'm here uh, and what all of that, its forms, including loving Anna. Mm. And what Anna love means to me is, is both, a, it's many things. It's a reminder of like, Anna, it's just love. Anna, love. Mm. And... It's, I think about it, you know, listed as, you know, like almost roll call, last name, comma, first name, love Anna, or love Anna, mm -hmm. or as a reminder of loving myself, or loving other people, or mm. uh, uh, reminding myself that, not just loving myself, but that my goal is to create a life that I love. Mm. So in that command of like, Anna, love, it's that it was like, you know, sometimes when I get lost maybe and like, what am I out here doing on this sphere? And what do I want to be doing? And what do I want to do when I grow up? And who do I want to be, right? Like, is that like, out of all of that swirling, it's just back to like, I, and um, uh, um, Mary Oliver is coming to mind right to me right now, right? Wild geese, like, I just get to love, let the soft animal of my body love what it loves. And that's what I'm here to do. And that's, that's where, that's what is all in that name to me is, mm. um, all of those pieces of love. Mm. That's what I want to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's an invitation. It's a reminder. It's a call. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I'm grateful for this time and, and the, the different loves that I know that you're holding in your heart and processing and the different ways that you show love to the people around you that I am lucky to know as your sister and the different ways that you show up and love yourself and and I feel like that's such an important piece of this conversation because in the end, and as we think about our, our dear grandparents right now, we're in 197, both alive still together. And even though they're together, they will go out separately, right? That in the end, it is only just us. And it feels very Buddhist in a way to be like to meditate daily on your death, right? And on your life, life, death, and that is an ending and that it will, we will lose everybody. We'll lose everybody to death or to moving or to 
parting ways or growing separate to decisions that we make or that other people make. And in the end, it will always be us. And that can feel heavy and sad, but it can also be just full of love. And why it's so important that this conversation includes not just love for our past partners and how that continues to evolve and the way that we redefine love and find love with people now, but the way that we show up for ourselves and that that looks nuanced and that looks different from day to day and the ways we are still trying to be curious and brave in what that means for us <laughs> and how that <laughs> evolves. <laughs> and because we get, we get to love ourselves. We get to be the ultimate lovers for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we get to decide how we want to love others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Mm, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Mm. I feel nourished and delighted. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, for anybody listening in the show notes, I will put our past conversations. If you want to hear other stories um, that Anna and I have had, then you can easily click those and go to those. This is the first of more conversations in the series Love After Divorce. And so there'll be more of these to come. And I, and I really am looking forward to the many ways that different people interpret these things differently and have different sort of partnerships and love. And so just, you know, tune in, there's more to come in that way and to come. And, uh, yeah. More coming all around. <laughs> just throw the condoms all over the place. <laughs> Also, I'm just going to take this moment as speaking of coming, um, like the, uh, episode third, I just know it's episode 13. I orgasmed on the podcast and then I, we flipped it when, when we did the, the experiment of prose and pleasure. So I was attempting to read some prose while getting oral pleasure, receiving oral pleasure. And then we flipped it actually. And so then I was giving my lover, I was giving him pleasure while he was trying to read and I think that one is the most listened to he didn't actually totally actually I'm not gonna tell you I'm not but that's the that was actually I got the stats from like the podcast at the end since we're the beginning of 2024 I'm like guess what podcast was listened to the most and he was like what <laughs> that's hot. Oh, that's hot. I feel like next podcast I want to get deeper and steamier yeah let's do it I mean you're you're gonna you're going to come back on the podcast. So <laughs> my pussy has that. Okay. Well, we will, we will Thank do that you. more. And, um, because that seems to be a trend here when you show up and talk about sex. So let's talk about sex, baby. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to this conversation and wherever you are in your discovery of self and of definition of love and whether or not you're divorced or partnered 
We are sending you love on your journey of love. <laughs>